So reflecting the here and now, the Pachubanantama, Tantitiko, Akaliko, <coughs> Dhamma. <coughs> now words, as I pointed out many times, are limited functions. So when you we try to imagine, we hold to views and we <clears throat> form ideas. So that's why I keep emphasizing transcending the thinking process, getting beyond it because it, it's too limiting. No, you can't, uh, you get stuck in it. So then bhavana is from samaditi the right understanding, the right attitude, then the the path they call the path the the uh, maga. That's the Pali word for path. becomes very clear it's not a it's no longer a kind of a theory or idea or a hope for attainment or anything like that you, there's direct knowing certainty and that path then is you know when, when you describe it as eightfold it makes it sound you know it making it sound complicated. <clears throat> but it's not eight steps, remember they use the word eightfold, so it's not samaditi, samathangapo, if, uh, following in tandem, but in, you know, the, these are merely folds of the same path of this moment here and now. Now get your mind around that, you, you won't be here and now. <clears throat> so that's why I say the path is is the path of non-suffering. So the first noble truth then is that there is dukkha, And then the fourth noble truth is the reality of non-suffering. <clears throat> so between those two, the second and third noble truth is the investigation of sankharas, uh, anicca dukkanata. The investigation, uh, just to say, of desire, attachment. Realizing cessation, the reality of absence, when they, when that which arises ceases, when when that happens, that's here and now, the arising cessation. There's still consciousness. It isn't you don't you don't become unconscious with the third noble truth. If you're expecting to pass out. <clears throat> 
Don't worry about it. That's not what happened. But it's like like this uh, extrapolating from a, a basic pattern. The Buddha pointed to a to a basic pattern, the conditioned unconditioned relationship, to the the pattern of arising ceasing in terms of sankara. These are, you know, these are words, admittedly, and they, you know, but they're pointing to uh, a pattern that one can recognize, realize. And we don't need to know it on a macrocosmic level. You know, the ego, the conceit of a human individual, a desire to know things uh, you know about everything. Figure it all out from the position of God, who created everything, or from the Buddha was using the microcosm of the here and now, this form, consciousness through this form. Because the the truth uh, can be realized not through knowing everything, but knowing this which doesn't seem like anything. You know, to the, to the conditioned mind, which is conditioned to see things in terms of dualities and extremes, pure awareness doesn't seem like anything at all. In fact, it's a bit of a disappointment emotionally. Because, uh, you know, one, one hears about how the earth shook and the, well, that's a Buddhist, Buddhist enlightenment. <laughs> I mean, some, some kind of phantasmagoric experience. Now, that's how the, the, the thinking mind works. It's, uh, enlightenment is absolutely fantastic. It's... Uh, it's the best and the highest. Only a very few could ever possibly hope to be enlightened. It's an elite. It's special. It's the ultimate. Now these are these are words pointing to to you know how that's oftentimes used. <clears throat> Now, as a person, you know, in your personality, compare, uh, say, most of us on a on a personal level, the way my personality works is, I don't think of myself as a, as a kind of you know specially chosen person or extremely capable, gifted, highly talented, um, you know, bodhisattva or a tulku or some some high special rebirth of a very important previous in, uh, bodhisattva or anything like that. My personality is not conditioned around those images. So it tends to, it's on a personal level, you know, it, it, I think of myself through, through oftentimes neg- negative qualities. <clears throat> 
So in a, on the personal level, it's always about, well, you know, I was never all that good at athletics, and I wasn't. <laughs> I wasn't exactly the best student, and uh, came from an average family, and from that boring old white Anglo-Saxon Protestant element in the United States. It all seems dreary. <clears throat> so seeing myself in, in terms of, of, you know, special qualities and special abilities, it's, that doesn't, that doesn't, uh, I've never really done that. So on a personal level, you don't feel you you know you you can see it where where Prince Siddhartha was born you know the his born a prince the father was a king uh, three wise men you know the or that was Jesus wasn't it but they <laughs> sage predicted <laughs> special education. <clears throat> <clears throat> and, uh, and, and then he, he can, somebody like that, you know, in previous lives he perfected all the barometers. On a personal level, you know, I don't think, uh, I can't imagine previous lives. <clears throat> so knowing is noticing, you know, the, the personality of a, say, a middle-class white American. I say I'm, I'm not particularly, you know, this is not a special kind of humility or or uh, mediocrity that I'm identified with. I think, you know, most most of us do see ourselves through oftentimes very kind of, you know, critical uh, perceptions. <clears throat> and then... Uh, and then the qualities of Prince Siddhartha are always, they're always a bit special. And this is myth, this is legend. This is how, you know, legends operate. And then enlightenment is, uh, is the ultimate, the highest happiness. That's why, uh, you know, in the Buddha's teaching, he wasn't pointing to to uh, extremity, but to what he called the middle way, the machima bhattibhata. And so it's learning from this, this microcosm, so to see this, this form, this body, uh, it's a microcosm. It's, it's, it can be put in terms of just the self, of just this person, of a man, of a, Buddhist monk, or, you know, it, it can also extrapolate from, from knowing this the whole, the whole pattern of the universe. You don't need to, to see the, the whole universe from the top, but from this position you can understand. Uh, this is an intuitive intelligence operating, not, not a speculative one, a thinking one.
So that's why, you know, in, in here and now awareness, you know, whatever you think you are or, you know, whatever you've done or whether you're, you tend towards uh, thinking you're superior, better or the best or special, special, the chosen uh, messianic figure or just a humble nobody or an incapable person, whatever perception, whatever attitude <clears throat> you, you, you see yourself, being aware of that is an attitude, as a, as a creation you're making up, as, um, as that which is a condition that arises and ceases here and now. <clears throat> No, it's not a matter of, you know, having <clears throat> seen yourself in a proper, reasonable, humble way. <clears throat> is an ideal, it's a beautiful ideal, isn't it? Being humble and, and not exaggerating your qualities, not being arrogant and conceited, but, you know, these are, these are, these are ideals that we find attractive. Being conceited and arrogant, thinking you're the better, the best, is the mo- is very repulsive. You know, every, any arrogant person is usually despised by everyone else. <laughs> and then, uh, then um, if you're if you're kind of uh, determinedly overly modest, you know, I'm just a nobody and I'm no good. <laughs> <laughs> That's irritating too. <laughs> but you don't have to have the the best view of yourself in order to see a view, a viewpoint or a condition. So when 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 we use the word awaken, then this is awakening to the way it is. So the and then investigating ability to to reflect upon, investigate. Ehipasiko, come and see. Dhamma, you know. Don't just believe this and go along with the level of inspiration listening to to, to me. But it's an encouragement to. To find out for yourself, you know. So, how do you find out? You know, is to really uh, observe what self is. And that which observes the self is not self. And this is a, a way to to. It's a kind of quantum leap, really, where you're. You're really letting go of this divisive thinking process by recognizing the suffering that that is involved in always attaching to it, and then you're you're very you you see you realize the intuitive the mindful the awareness, the awakened consciousness. You, you, 
you realize it, it's real, you recognize it. You can't find it as an object, but you know through, through this awareness, you know it's this. So it's not a thing that you can qualify or has no, you know, dimension or color or form. But it's a, know, it's a knowing, direct knowing, this is it. The third noble truth is realizing cessation. Let's put it that, in that way. Well, that, oftentimes that's interpreted as on an intellectual level, as you kind of have an insight when, when uh, you know, that, that which is arisen ceases. But cessation, in this sense, niroda sacha, isn't, you know, is, is not, it can, isn't a, just a dependent on the conditions arising, ceasing, but of knowing, of realizing, recognizing, non-attachment. <clears throat> when, you know, this non-attachment is like this, Things come and go, you know, you're still conscious, you still, uh, the world still impinges on your senses, you still see, hear, smell, taste, touch, you can still think, feel, emotions still, when the conditions for emotional uh, habits arise and this is what happens, you feel like this and you feel like that. But the difference lies in the knowing, in it's seen as aramana, as arising, ceasing, and nicha. It's not thinking in that, in those terms. You give up the thoughts. Just, just trust in the awareness. To, to trust in reality, in pure awareness here and now, which is, is non-conceptual, but real. <clears throat> where the real world to most people is illusion. <clears throat> you know what they generally refer to in common parlance is the real, real world is, is a, all about illusion, deluding yourself, living your life on false premises, on, on lies, on on uh, things that can never, you know, give you any security or happiness. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> Buddha, Buddha pointing to reality. Now, these teachings, you know, it's called Buddhism, this is only another word too. It's not, you know, not kind of uh, believe and bound into Buddhism conceptually, but it's a skillful, skillful means that I've used in uh, my own life. So it has a, you know, it's a skillful tool. It's an expedient means.
it also gives you a vocabulary, you know, because it is it, it, the 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 way the Buddha simplified everything. You know, they, you know, it's quite. It's even though when you get into Abhidhamma and things like that, it, it sounds incredibly complicated. When you study Buddhist philosophy or things like that, the mind just you know the endless permutations and variations and complications that pointed out in a book saw a book on on emptiness published by wisdom very thick book <laughs> how buddy how anyone could write such so many words about nothing <clears throat> so you can spe- speculate you know about Anatta and Shunyata and these kind of words, but that's you know, and, that, and but then that one proliferates endlessly, and one can have if you have a clever mind, you can, you know, make interesting, uh, have interesting suggestions and views about it. But the reality is here and now. Emptiness is now. Anatta is now. If I start reading that book, you know, <clears throat> I maybe end up with a lot of views and opinions about Shunyata, <laughs> which is the absence of views and Where one gets, uh, you know, congratulated for writing a thick volume on nothing. But the reality of no thing then is, you know, no, how, how, how can anyone else know? How do you know I'm not just bullshitting you? So this is, you know, the, to be known individually by the wise through wisdom, through intuitive awareness. And so this, this uh, separation, and this recognizing, you know, through investigating Sakyatiti Siddhapatabharamasa Vichikicca, now that's an investigation. Those are those are not anything more than just skillful means. The categories that are useful in order to it can be quite helpful. So you can get some kind of perspective on personality, sakya ditti, <clears throat> because I found it quite confusing at first when I first started meditating. The, the anatta, the word anatta, no self. Like the the three characteristics, anicca, dukkha, I didn't have any problem with 
recognizing, you know, it didn't take much to, to, you know, confirm everything's changing and unsatisfying. But Anatta was, took me a while longer because, you know, it sounded like, you know, one thing that seemed, seemed very, you know, it seemed real is Atta, self. Who's sitting here? Who's thinking? Who's, who's investigating? Who's investigating Sankaras? <laughs> it's me. <laughs> who's recognizing uh, impermanence? It's me. And who's who recognizing all Sankaras are suffering? It's me. Definitely seems to be true. It's me that's doing it. It's not you. You might be doing it, but I don't know. Maybe you're just sitting here thinking about uh, going somewhere else. <laughs> but I'm sitting here, and I'm and and, and I'm. Uh, aware? Thinks I think I am. And uh, and I'm, I'm contemplating Dhamma. And I'm feeling, you know, in this body when it gets painful or cold or hungry, I'm certainly aware of it. So what is it that's aware? Do we have to, you know, Say that you know, b- kind of bind ourselves to to say there's nobody feeling anything. You know, there's no self. I'm really a no self, and, and that that just is another intellectual concept, isn't it? I'm a no self, and that seems even more absurd than identifying with. You know, I'm sitting here thinking. I'm sitting here reflecting. <clears throat> but in with Sati Sampatanya and putting the the I am sitting here in a context of Sakyaditi, the the very uh, uh, pronoun I am Sumato sitting. This very this way we create the self with with um, with these concepts like I. I am, I am Ajahn Sumato. <clears throat> so that, that we're bound to to our concepts, to our grammar, to our pronouns, to our names. And these are all created, you know, out of ignorance. Words are you know, they are, they arise and cease, they come and go. Whereas, you know, thinking goes through consciousness very quickly. But I can be aware of myself thinking, or there is an awareness, isn't it? I say, I can be aware of my thinking. Uh, that's a, you know one that resorts back to the conventional use of language 
But the sense of I am Ajahn Sumato, I am an American, all this, this, these are, you notice that the I am then is, is no longer a functional sense of presence, but defined and limited by the name Sumato. <clears throat> I am is a merely statement of presence, isn't it? But I am Sumato makes me a person. Then I define it even more. I was, I'm 72 years old and that kind of thing. I can tell you my life history, how my loves and hates and my uh, adventures in life. This is all this is my life, me and mine. Then the awareness, deliberately observing Sakyaditi is, is, a, is a creation through thinking, through attachment, through thought, through avicca, ignorance, not having, not seeing Dharma, not knowing Dharma. We, we just assume we are this person you know, our life is built around the sense of uh, me and my needs and my loves and hates. So, in, in investigating Sakya Ditti, you know, this is this is how I've done it. Is I've you know I've really thought it out. I listen to myself thinking. I'm watching. There's a watching observing the words, the space between the words. Observing the the, the function of language and the sense of I is a creation. So there is this subjective knowing from this position you know, this is this isn't. I can't claim this is personal because the the reality of sitting here, this body sitting here, conscious, the conscious form, a point of consciousness in form, limited in form. And it has no name, no, you know, it's, it's not a, we, I give it a name. I'm Arjun Sumato. I, I may, I give that name and you give me that name. <clears throat> but the, the awakened attention to this is not a creation. It, it doesn't depend on concepts or names. It's real, isn't it? It's, it's not, it's not Ajahn Sumato creating awareness. It's before Ajahn Sumato begins. Now this is like a reflection on the way it is. Noticing, uh, investigating, Ehi Pasika Dhamma. 
Upanayaka Dhamma. So this, uh, we chant this every morning. So then Sakyaditi becomes very clear, you know, if I don't create, if I don't believe in my thoughts anymore and I don't attach, then emotionally I can feel very threatened because my personality is, the sense of myself before was, you know, me and mine, you know, attached to the extremes of you know, if I good, bad, right, wrong, and a kind of uh, deluding certainty sense of I know who I am. I've got you know I'm I'm like this, and I've done that, and I'm an an illusory sense of security that that one creates through attachment through convincing oneself, through grasping, through believing in things. And this whole world that that we uh, have invested in, that we've created, starts falling apart. You know, you feel like you're breaking down. You know, you're having a nervous breakdown. And maybe that would what's what a nervous breakdown is. When all the certainties, securities that if you depended upon for feeling all right, feeling okay, suddenly collapse. And, uh, and, and so you think you're falling apart, you're breaking down, you're, you've gone crazy. <clears throat> because emotionally, you know, we emotion, we condition ourselves to, uh, you know, to, we're not conditioned for nibbana, emotionally ready for that, for enlightenment, for, pure awareness. Emotionally we're not, you know, the emotions aren't ready for that. We're emotion, we're conditioned for extremes, you know. Let's have a really good time. Let's have a party. You know, let's have lots of fun. Let's tell jokes. Be happy. We can relate to that. We, Let's go on an adventure, an exciting adventure. Romance. That's exciting. You know, one of the pleasurable experiences. Being in love is fantastic. And then, then, uh, you know, uh, let's go to the horror films tonight. Let's scare ourselves to death. I hear there's a good one on at the cinema, you know, the people have been, you know, fainted and <laughs> they have to keep paramedics there. <laughs> That's an extreme, isn't it? <laughs> why do we do that? Why do we, why do, why do we like to scare ourselves? Fear and, and, and ominous uh, stories and, and uh, criticism. Why do we complain a lot? And, uh, because emotionally, we're we're conditioned for that. You know, we culturally we're conditioned in a certain way. 
for and uh, that's extremity or you know the here and now is usually not nothing much happening is it here and now you most of the here and nows of your life are like this sitting breathing <laughs> but planning your next adventure or you know the revolution or the <clears throat> armageddon or you know how to uh get rid of the islamic terrorists and all this this is these are exciting war is exciting sex is exciting violence is exciting all of this is you know is is about excitement on the conditioned plane and then we feel alive when we're excited we feel feel very much alive interested fascinated besotted but then so much of just ordinary life is pretty boring isn't it commuting to work you know just walking from here to there sitting standing walking lying down the tedium of the routine daily life it, you know we're looking for our holiday when we go to some exotic location or some kind of special experience <clears throat> so in, emotionally then the there's so much invested in in being special and in extremities of of condition experience So when we uh, recognize or realize here and now Dhamma, you know, emotionally one can be quite disappointed in a way, or it doesn't doesn't isn't what one was expecting. One was expecting nibbana to be kind of world-shaking, world-shattering, a kind of ultimate experience. So just notice how you know how the thinking process works. This dualistic function that has superlatives, the best, the worst, the absolute pits, absolutely fantastic. These are words we we use quite commonly. They uh, here in England they use absolutely a lot. That's absolutely right, what you just said. Absolutely true. You know what you're saying when you're saying absolutely? <laughs> <clears throat> <laughs> so this is, uh, you know, this, this is a sense of, of permanency too. I mean, absolute <laughs> gives it a, you know, a, this is, Definitely, certainly, without question, forever true. <clears throat> so we can we can create concepts like that, you know, and convince ourselves uh, by binding ourselves to to this dualistic function. Then we're stuck with it in the roller coaster ride. <clears throat> but bringing our attention to the here and now, then awakening, 
so that then the then uh, then we can observe there's a a knowing all that arises ceases so the emotional reaction you experience emotions arise and cease you know emotional reactions of of feeling elated or depressed or happy or sad frightened worried anxious bored <clears throat> exuberant enthusiastic whatever you know the extremities when we patiently allow the conditions to be what they are we're not trying to to you know the intuitive awareness isn't a judgment so it's not there's no criticism of anything Remember, the thinking process is for criticizing, for differentiating, discriminating. But intuitive awareness is for knowing, discerning, which is non-critical. So that which is non-critical is really like metta, isn't it? Metta is non-critical, loving-kindness, or love. uh, unconditioned love in this sense is non-critical when we practice metta is uh, is translated as loving kindness and we have a formula may I abide in well-being and so forth may everyone abide in well-being and so it's it's formulaic on that level, but it's what it really amounts to is uh, non-criticism. It's accepting, allowing everything to be what it is. It's not judging it in terms of whether we personally like it or dislike it or approve or disapprove. Well, what is that? If you can really, if you really have, you know, recognized metta or is it merely a, a kind of altruism in your mind? What is metta for you? Is it a kind of kind of uh, thinking practice that makes you feel good because it's so nice? Can you really uh, say, uh, you know, may George Bush ab- abide in well-being without feeling some cynicism in your heart. So then, uh, you know, the, but then metta, then, or unconditioned love, or awareness. To me, it's all the same thing. It's just kind of emphasizing, making an, em- an emphasis differently. So when you, when there's awareness, non-attachment 
emptiness, non-self, then it's like this. It's non-critical. So it it's it give you know it has room for everything for for the devils, the angels, for refinement, coarseness, the best, the worst. That in this infinite expanse of awareness, no boundary, there's room for every condition to do what it has to do. And put this on a on a microcosmic experience of you know your own conscious experience, the 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 loves, hates, the prejudices, biases, the physical body, its its uh, state of health. It, your emotional habits, uh, subtle and coarse memories, passions, resentments, everything is then received in consciousness and even the aversion is received in consciousness. So this is like a transcending. It's embracing. It's not. Uh, it's not. You know. It's non-critical because it's. It's not. Uh, it's discerning. It knows. It's not stupid. It's bright and knowing, but it's not. Preferring. One thing over another. Now that is the uh, is the reality of now. You can't conceive that, you know, and, 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 you know, when you think about it, it just, you know, you can, can get inspired with the ideas of it, with loving kindness and forgiveness and, and that it, it can, you know, on a, that level you can wind yourself up with inspiration. But the reality of it is like this, so that in the present moment, even when the most uh, unpleasant emotions arise, petty, maybe, you know, the thing I've found I don't like, what I find really quite unbearable, is is oftentimes uh, a kind of nastiness I see in my, that arises, a meanness of heart. Conditions like this that, you know, I don't like at all when they arise, you know. I, I, I'm, I like them. I like to see myself in more grand uh, concepts. <laughs> and when, when the kind of meanness and selfish foolishness that arises. I can see how so much of my life has been spent in just, you know, not allowing it into consciousness. Repressing. So there's, uh, so in the, in this uh, position of the awakened to the way it is now, in the here and now, then the then the world or the conditions uh, 
arise and cease. And this, this is where trusting in this awareness, recognizing it, trusting it, and cultivating it. So in the, over the years now, I've, I've cultivated this. This is very strong now, this awareness. It's connected. It's not fragmented. Though it's, uh, you know, it gives, it gives you a strength, a kind of stillness, a stability to reflect on what goes on in my mind. It's like this, you know, in some uh, conditions are pleasant, unpleasant, high, low, same, same as ever. But the relationship to it is one of knowing in non-aversion, metta, or love, unconditioned love, allowing conditions in, that I'm experiencing internally in my conscience to be what they are. Then this, if one trusts this, then externally the same. Where before, uh, I used to have strong views, you know, about how people should be. You know, who was a good monk, a good nun, who was suitable and, and, uh, material for monastic life and, and, and other people that had the kind of eccentric or strange ways of doing things or were kind of not, you know, not, didn't really conform or, or really, you know, fit in all that well. I would be very critical of. You should, you've got to change. You shouldn't be the way you are. You've, uh, you've got to, you know, if you're going to stay in this community, you've got to get your act together and you've got to change according to the way I think you should be. Because the way you are, I don't like. <laughs> so then, uh, So this is, uh, and then, but with this trusting and awareness, even that, accepting, allowing, you know, the world, the way people are, the the conditions. It's not approving of the people. They, what should you do if somebody's really causing trouble in the community? You've got to do, you know, you get into this. You've got to do something about it. You can't just sit there and watch it arise and cease. <laughs> and that's the way the world impinges and intimidates us, isn't it? The world has that very intimidating kind of uh, impulse. You know, you've got to do something. I don't know how many times I've been wound up by people telling me I should be. There's somebody causing a lot of trouble, and we've got to we've got to do something about it. And that very kind of uh, you know sense of urgency, you know, when somebody comes at you like that, you know, I get emotionally it winds me up you know, because I'm probably thinking, you know, I see the same things. Got to do something. We can't allow this to happen. And we get <laughs> and then when I act on that, I've always regretted it. <laughs> Usually make it worse. Because it's coming from fear and, and from ignorance and fear. 
So in the, with awareness then you're trusting, trusting this. And in that trust there's, you know, what happens tends, is spontaneous. The knowing and, you know, when to do or act or say or not say or something, there's no prescription for that. This is like bungee thing. You have to know and trust this. Then there's room for spontaneity in terms of action and speech. Rather than prescribed, you know, we've got to punish and, and get rid of the ones, the troublemakers and reward the good ones. So then metta is non-discriminatory, isn't it? May all, may everyone abide in well-being. That means every, everyone. That means George Bush. <laughs> That means Hitler and uh, Osama bin Laden. So, you know, so it's it's like you know it's uh, uh, mosquitoes and fleas and so forth. So it's a and this isn't isn't just a kind of niceness that we can idealize as a concept. This is reality. When we, when we touch into reality, then this is the way it is. So then, when you hear like poetic statements about the underlying force is love, this I understand now. Because this is what love is all about. It embraces everything. So the basic underlying force is this. The ultimate reality is love, so that this is this is it. But it's not sentimental love. It's not you know, or kind of oozing goodwill all the time and and sweet words. It's uh, you know, it's it's very strong, stable, and this uh, you know, I'm just this is a reflection. This isn't the kind of doctrinal statement I'm making. You, you, well, you're free to disagree if you don't find this. Well, trust what you do find. <clears throat> but taking, you know, logic and reason with, with words to their ultimate, you know, this, uh, if you're, you know, the mindfulness can be the only possibility. Because this word... <clears throat> Is the is the only way we can get beyond the attachment and the the convincing uh, uh, obsessions we have with our own thoughts, our bodies, our identities, our illusions? Is to be mindful of them. You can you know you can create better illusions maybe, 
on the conditioned plane. That's the best you can do on, on the conditioned planes, create better illusions to live with. But the only way out, the only way to be liberated from that is through observing, through awareness, through awakened investigation of the way it is. So you're investigating not with with ideas, but with attention, observing, discerning. So with the nasty states of mind or the things you don't like and don't want, I've had to, you know, inform myself to be patient with them, to receive, to allow them to be what they are. Because, say, on a personal level, there's certain mental, emotional states that I don't like at all, you know, that, that I experience. That I don't approve of, don't like, and don't want. And that I detest. So it's, and they're detestable. So that's the thinking process. So how can you bear with something detestable is through being aware of it in not in but letting it be what it is allowing it to be what it is and that patiently you know being patient forbearing It's not approving or liking. It's a different, it's transcending all that, approving, liking or disliking. It's through awareness. Then you can actually allow even the most miserable state to be what it is. And then it, you know, its nature is impermanent. They all, you know, eventually cease. Nothing permanent about it. So in those moments of your life where you get stuck in negative thinking or that and <clears throat> or kind of bound into despair you know these are uh, these are these can be periods of great importance for practice when you think your practice isn't working and you've wasted your life and nothing is happening and it, and and all that where you feel incredible despair with yourself and Buddhism and all the rest. Sangha life. You know, I've been through periods where I just detested monasticism. <laughs> and Theravada Buddhism. <clears throat> And yet, in those, you know, being uh, aware, allowing this, this, of this detestation, this aversion, this disappointment, it ceases. You know, this is this is what I trust. So, so in, in, 
in this way, you know, when you've spent 40 years of your life as a Theravadan Buddhist monk, and then you you got a feeling of, you know, this, um, this is, a, I don't feel this way now. <laughs> a few years ago, I felt through a period where, you know, I just had so much, so much, uh, so much resentment came up. And, and then just feeling, you know, so much resentment and, and kind of anger about being misunderstood or just so many things seem to be falling apart. Then the, uh, then the, the, the insight was to bear, endure, not try to, to get rid of it or run away. So, so in that, you know, that patient endurance, then it, it all resolves, it all ceases, all conditions are always cease. I have no, I've never seen one that stayed. <laughs> so in that, you know, the, the, be patient with, you know, the, the, in regards to the form you're in and the tradition and the teachers and the, all this is, it's a matter really of, you know, using it for awareness. You know, so it's like anything, you go through periods of love, hate, and so forth with, with uh, you know, individuals, with traditions, with views and opinions. But that, uh, Stillness that one recognizes through awareness that has a, that sustains itself. I don't create it. It's not a condition, not a state that I create. It's just recognizing it, trusting it that you begin to that you really know the path is this. This is the path. The way, the way of liberation, the way of non-suffering. 